Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Drivers, start your engines! Hit the pace car! What for? Because you hit every other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. It's him. He talks to me. He didn't slam you, he didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he rubbed you, and rubbing son is racing. Good evening, race fans. Welcome to the Hoobas Radio Network, and welcome to the Drafting the Circuits program. My name is Frank Santoroska. I'll be your host for the next hour as we talk about another big weekend in racing. Joining me in the studio this evening, I've got Richard Uden, Seth Eggert, and Louise Torres. Fellas, how are we doing tonight? Doing well. Superb, to say the least. Good, thank you. All right, great, great to great to talk to you guys. Like like I say, sometimes it's the highlight of my week to hang out with you dudes. Uh, but let's uh, we we had a big week in the race, two Indy car races. Uh, in between the time we uh, recorded last, we've had uh, the NASCAR All Star race as as well as a uh, points paying Cup race. Uh, the All Star race, of course, was at Bristol. Uh, Texas was the site of the other one. The Indy cars were in Ohio, and Formula One was in Hungary. Your winners this week in Iowa was an all-Penske weekend. Simon Pagano winning race one. Joseph Newgarden winning race two. Lewis Hamilton dominated in Hungary. Chase Elliott won the all-star race for NASCAR, and it was Austin Dillon uh, taking that uh, win in Texas. Uh, But before we get into the racing action, uh, big news coming out of Indianapolis just this morning. They have fully released their plan and an 88-page document uh, with all their plans for the state and local officials and guidance for the fans on how the Indianapolis 500 will be held this year, uh, what it's going to look like, how they're going to distance people. uh, But it looks like at this point, anyway, Everything is a go. Uh, they're anticipating, they're saying, approximately 25% capacity. Um, and that's based on, I believe, the amount of uh, folks that opted out of their tickets this year. I mean, there's still a lot of folks um, afraid to travel uh, or afraid to get out there. So there are a lot of folks that, uh, out of the 170,000 original tickets they had sold, I guess they had enough folks uh, opt out, take a credit for next year, that they're looking at about 25%, which gives them, uh, with the size of the facility, plenty of room to uh, socially distance. Um, some of the things that are the major talking points are uh, a, a quick temperature check on the way in. Uh, if your temperature is over 100.4, uh, they will take you to a um, 
off to the side, uh, and they're going to use one of those ones that they just scan your head with, the touchless ones, um, but if you register a little too high, they'll take you uh, aside to a medical professional, they'll test you with an oral thermometer, and they'll also check you for any other illness-related symptoms, and if you clear that, should be okay to go in. You know, some folks were concerned that just walking around in the heat might make that thing register high, but they've got a place, a plan in place to uh, you know, more accurately check the temperature if you, you missed the first one. Uh, secondly, they'll be, you'll be spaced out in the grandstand. Seating will be assigned. They said everyone will have at least one open seat beside them and at least one open seat in front of them, uh, which means so there'll be no more than two folks sitting side by side, uh, and those would be if you bought your two tickets together. Uh, so it for for the you know for those of you that have been to the Indy 500 and been crammed in there with like sardines, it'll actually be kind of nice to have a little elbow room at the race. Um, you know, actually, it is wonderful to be in a crowd that big, but it'll be it'll look it'll look really different this year. And again, most of the ancillary events are are canceled. Um, Legends Day is canceled. Uh, Carb Day is still on, but the, most of the activities are canceled, other than the practice session itself and the pit stop competition. Um, everything else, all the concerts, all the uh, vendor. Um, or the um, sponsor Midway, uh, all that will be canceled. The red carpet will be canceled. The parade downtown is canceled. Um, but we still have a race. Uh, that that being said, uh, guys, you have any thoughts on this? Uh, it, it just reading through this document, it looks like uh, uh, between J. Doug Bowles, uh, Roger Penske, and and, and uh, Mark Miles, these guys have done a tremendous a tremendous amount of work to make sure everything. Uh, is is going to uh, go off without a hitch and be safe. Yeah, for sure. They're doing a phenomenal job taking a step-by-step, checking the trends, what's going on. I say 25, albeit some people are very upset and frustrated about it, but they know what's going on to where something like that is probably going to be more safer in that route. And as far as the mask, I'm glad they're mandating it. And from what I've read, from that 88 page and also on social media, they're going to enforce it. And I really hope they're, they owe up to their words and really, really enforce it because there are some tracks after and some photos that I've seen that you have the mask, but when you're at the grandstands, I hardly saw a good majority of them wearing it throughout the entire event. And the all-star race, there were plenty of them. You, you, yeah. you, know, you know, my, my understanding on that though is it's like, it's very similar to like if you were to go out to a restaurant this day and age. You, you need your mask to enter or to like kind of walk around when you're other folks. But when you're at your table, right, or say for our purpose of the race, if you're in the stands with your group that is socially distanced from other groups, I believe it's acceptable to remove your mask. Um, mm-hmm. Is my understanding because certainly you're going to eat, you're going to eat, right. and you're going to drink. Um, so, but, but for the purposes of, you know, if you got to go to the restroom, if you want to go buy you a die cast, if you want to walk around, you know, put that mask on. Uh, I know people that were at the all-star race and, uh, what they told me was once you went below the grandstands, you had to have the mask, uh, whether or not you wore it correctly, uh, they weren't really enforcing, but in the grandstands itself, uh, the masks were not required. Right, because they had groups socially distanced from one another. So, but anyway, I, you know what? The last thing I want to get into is a conversation about masks, because honestly, it's all anybody's talking about this day and age, and I'm a little, just a little tired of hearing about it. So, 
But uh, yeah. I am I am excited that the Indy 500 is going to go on, go go off. Um, I, I don't you know at this point I don't know if my credentials will go through. You know I've been credentialed for this race every year since 2012. But if it doesn't happen this year, it doesn't happen this year. I've still got a pair of grandstand tickets. I'm going to put every negative thought out of my mind, and and I'm going to go to this race and I'm going to just have the best time. Uh, that I can, you know, I enjoy all those other ancillary events, but, but the main, the main focus is the race itself and the race yeah. itself is still going to go on. We've still got a tremendously competitive field, um, you know, and the last several races have been great. So I, I'm still just really looking forward to it because, you know, for the last several months, I'm just waiting for, you know, the other shoe to drop and say, no, now we're going to push it to October. Now we're not going to have an Indy 500. So I'm really excited uh, that this whole plan was put together. I commend those guys for their hard work, and I'm glad that the, the, the state and local officials have approved everything. Yeah, absolutely. They're, I'm glad that the 500 is going to go through in August, and also after that, then we just have the Harvest, which will be a unique event of its own. But for right now, the 500, I feel like right now, now that we have our five-day, five-race, 15-day grind done and over with, I think there's still an unknown factor for that 500, who I feel like is going to be a strong contender, because we're, believe it or not, we're practically halfway to the championship trail already. And we've Certainly, seen some yeah. wild factors. And you never know what pit stops and, well, if you look at if you look at some of the guys that were strong in, in at Iowa and also at at Road America, it's not the usual suspects. You no, know, let's, so let, let's yeah, let's talk about the Iowa races. Certainly, at the end of the day, two Penske wins, but uh, race one was remarkably different than race two. Race one saw Simon Pagano start from dead last after not making qualifying attempt, and he ends up winning the race. Race yeah. two saw Joseph Newgarden starting from the pole. And pretty much dominating the race and ending his day where he started on the pole. So the two races were polar opposites of one another. But some of the performances of the of the other guys, particularly the McLaren team, both Oliver Askew and um, Award, uh, were, were fantastic. Award was fantastic at Road America also, taking a podium. Askew got a podium in Iowa. You know, everyone is... You know, there's still a lot of animosity towards McLaren a little bit, you know, especially from the Hinch fans. But, but my God, this team has their act together. And, and right now, I would dare say they're the third best team right now after, uh, you know, Ganassi and Penske because Andretti certainly hasn't lived up to it thus far. Oh, absolutely not. If there's one team that regret that just couldn't get into autopsies, it is definitely the entire Andretti camp. Rossi! Did all right, but when Colton Herta was mitted by rotten luck, especially that big wreck that he had with Renes Vigan when the restart was a no-go, and then the following day, after about a third of the race in, he just fell out. And then there's Ryan Hunter Ray. Oh, yo, yo. Oh, poor Hunter Ray hit the, hit yeah. the, the, made the same mistake two races in a row. Yeah, and whereas Marco Andretti got a top ten out of the second race, unfortunately he got himself a strong result because – Geez, talk about another guy that has struggled all season long, big time. It's definitely been Marco to the point that he was the first guy to qualify. He was behind guys like Tony Kanaan and Connor Daly, to name a few. Now, now Richard, Richard, I heard you laughing when we talked about Ryan Hunter Ray. You're either laughing or wheezing. So uh, <laughs> did, did you did you have a comment about Ryan Hunter Ray and his his troubles exiting the pit lane? You expect a little bit more from a guy who. You know, has a career that he's had, and you know you you being disrespectful to to him by any stretch of the imagination, but he's maybe one of those guys that you start to think, well, where 
where is he going? What's he doing next? Yeah, it's just a matter of DHL's commitment that's keeping him low. But yeah, he's been in the game for almost two decades, but I've never seen having this bad of a race weekend where he had the same incident in the same area, a couple feet apart in the span of 24 hours. It's just very unfortunate because before the second mid-Ohio race, he was doing pretty quietly, pretty good. He was up there. and Yeah, that, that Road America, you mean, though. We haven't been yeah. in mid-Ohio. Yeah, but oh, yeah, he was uh, – yeah, yeah, he did really well at Road, Road America 1. Of course, he got punted off punted off the track in Road America 2 by Will Power, another guy who had a – he had a polar opposite weekend. Uh, race number one, Will got uh, caught out with the yellow – Got buried midfield. Race number two had a pretty pretty strong day and finished second. Yeah, and the tire and what happened with the first race, he lost the left front because they didn't properly stall. And then I mentioned this pit road. So many mistakes has been happening in this stretch where that's ultimately it has to find a lot of drivers' days, at, especially at Road America and Iowa. Like Wills couldn't get it stalled. Like the second race, Pato had some pit pit issues. So many, that's been the main theme of this year, besides Dixon and, and Dixon pretty much controlling this championship right now is those pit stops. And come August, I hope over time, if they if they have time, depending on how COVID and all of that stuff pans out as far as regulations of when to be at the shop, works out because they got little time to practice and and we're seeing all those mistakes. But yeah, right. speaking now, of willpower. No, go ahead. Say, I want to. Yeah, speaking about willpower, but then I want I want to circle back to the pit stops, and, and I got yeah. a question for Richard. Yeah, speaking of will, willpower, he, he pretty much it made it very clear that he's not happy about the pit road being closed under yellow because it's bitten him a couple times. It's been a new garden, and they feel like we're, if they lighten it up or change it, then maybe this title would have been much closer. But when I look at it, I understand his sentiment. Yeah, he said it at a tub, at an ice tub, while all of after the race, but to see time that's been implemented in another sanction is when the yellow comes up pit road is closed yeah that's not going to change i mean will will's been unhappy about that since they threw the thing in there but you know if you recall before they had a, you know they closed the pits they used to have fun things like you know pit fires and stuff like mm. that uh you know so uh we don't want to return to that um but but now Richard, now you you you've served on a race team. I'm not. I, I know you've not been an over the wall crew member, uh, but you've, cool, you've no, yeah no, you've worked some me. some long stretches. And these guys literally raced five races in 15 days. So do you believe that all these pit stop miscues, the 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 loose wheel knots, do you believe that's a fatigue factor? No. No. Okay. Interesting. Over the wall guys will be pre- yeah actually for a lot of these guys the race weekends are actually when they do the least number of pit stops you know they'll be practicing week in week out or day in day out during the week they'll do fifty you know they could do it for fifty a day or not fifty but ten twenty pit stops a day when they're practicing and going through training so an actual race weekend in reality is is, is very little for what they're used to. But I want to say, but I want to say, in IndyCar, I know like NASCAR has the guys that are specifically over the wall. That's all they do. Yeah. Uh, I want to say IndyCar, the teams are smaller. Everybody that yeah. goes over, yeah, everybody that goes over the wall has a oh, primary job as well. And, yeah, yeah, there'll be mechanics so, and the like. But even so, they will still, you know, especially with the big teams, where we've seen some of the problems, you know, the Penske's and the Ganassi's and guys like that, they'll spend 
you know, at least a day a week or maybe a day and a half, two days a week practicing this and doing training. They'll, you know, these big teams, I'm sure, will have on-site gyms and the like and will be doing all this work, um, you know, at, at, the, at the track. Sorry, at the, at the shop. So when they come to the track, it just becomes... Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions Supply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Repetition. Now, it could be, I think maybe more of the issue is that they haven't been in the shop and due to the health and safety restrictions of what everybody's going through right now, maybe the pit stop practices haven't been as intense or as regular. That may be the issue. I don't think fatigue will be. Okay, again, all right. Teams, at the top teams, they... You know, there's a reason why they're normally so good. It's because it's it, it just becomes second nature. It's 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 like a lot of these things. It's, you know, it's subconscious the way they act. Um, so I would be very very surprised if any of this is due to fatigue. I think it's probably due to potentially lack of practice. Okay. Um, so Seth, you wanted to talk about the aero screens a little bit. We saw we saw some. Uh, Upgrades to the, the cooling in the aero screen and, and some of the feedback was, yes, letting more air, air in, but it's also letting more uh, kind of grit grit and sand and stuff uh, blowing around in the cockpit. So uh, uh, what, what were your comments on the aero screens? Well, that part of it is honestly going to be a small work in progress, but that's minor compared to the fact that, in my opinion, I'm pretty sure it saved at least two, if not three lives this past weekend. Oh, certainly, yeah. VK, yeah. And Erickson. And Erickson, yeah. Both those guys were – both those wrecks were scary. But you, I don't know if you saw the, the pictures um, from VK's car in the in, I did, in the I shop did. where you could see – you could see where it was hit there, right there on the screen. It, it busted some of, the, some of the glass out of it. You could see the big mark there. So, I mean, there's no doubt without that screen, that could have been VK's head. Uh, they got hit yeah. hit with whatever or, that was, whatever or, made that or mark. Erickson's head with the uh, debris falling down from the sky, uh, similar to Justin Wilson. Correct, correct. Yeah, or uh, Henry Surtees as well. But yeah, that's no doubt the Leclerc moment, and it's a reference to his spa when he was with Alpha Romeo Salver at the time, where people were saying about this about the halo. But then when that accident, where that probably saved Leclerc's life at Spa, now everybody kind of had that hush moment. Short, not all of it, but. And it's also one of those things where looks can be deceiving because when you're at night and it's a black car, it's very hard to tell from replays if it hit were her to hit VK's car. But then when you saw it in daylight and a day later, you could, you could definitely tell that it could have been much worse. Also, willpower, maybe at a certain angle that tire probably could have hit it, but it was far off the angle that nothing happened. So 
it was a definitely a learning full of night one, to say the least. But with Herda, I know I picked him the last two weeks. Maybe I should not pick him and see how his luck turned around. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe you're the bad luck for Herda, yeah. So, uh, But let's, let's talk about another guy who had a really good weekend, which would be Connor Daly. I mean, he was – I think he finished eighth in race one after starting from pole, which is mm-hmm. the first pole ever for uh, Carlin Motorsports. Uh, for sure. I mean, they they were happy to to, to do that, and um, then he yeah, he, he, he ran comfortably in the top ten all night, and then in race two, I believe he started from third, and he was he was running, he was running in contention for a podium at the end there until his his pit strategy just left him a little short on fuel, where he had to duck in for a real late pit stop, uh, which dropped him to 13th, but, uh, you know, had there been a few more, a few more laps of yellow at the end there, he'd have been, he'd have been right there on the podium. Yeah, they were hoping for others to falter, it kind of was a botched strategy, because he went from the podium, and then goes to the pits, handing the final spot to Graham Rahal, and ultimately ended up 13th, so, but it was definitely a huge encouragement for Carlin, because we usually associate with that team as probably one of the bottom tier teams, Overall, with like with Foy to an extent, ECR, but it, with them, with Connor, with the same crew from a year ago, that certainly helps Connor's part. And everything that they've gone through, albeit if I remember their IndyCar shops in Florida, not in the UK. Obviously, Trevor West at Hungary because of the feeder series. They made tremendous strides with him, and even every time Connor's in that car on ovals, they've delivered extraordinarily well. Now it's just a matter of the road program to get polished up, and then maybe we can start seeing Carlin impress and get a lot of eyeballs because that's their motive is trying to be right up with those guys because they've had so much success at the junior formulas. Now they want to adapt to the bigger leagues. Yeah, we're seeing a little bit of a change into the guard there in the mid to backfield. You know, Carlin is much improved uh, from where they were a year ago. I, I mean, you know, they're not they're, they're not out there winning races yet, but my gosh, they want a pole. That's, you know, that's something there. Um, McLaren uh, is, is right on up there. Um, Coin has had some really good days. Even even Foyt has had um, really good mm-hmm. a couple of really good runs with Charlie Kimball there. And it looks like the you know the bottom feeders now is like Ed Carpenter racing is having a horrible time getting anything off the ground uh, this year. Yeah. You know VK's had a really tough year. Not all some his fault, some not. Um, Carpenter the rookie learning curve that yeah. he's going through. Carpenter of course uh, you know wrecked one of the cars uh, on Friday night or Friday or Saturday one of those. It's Saturday. Saturday right? night, yeah. Yeah, Carpenter wrecked. Um, and then the Andretti team is all over the place. You know what I mean? They've got, uh, you know, they've got Marco and Veach solidly holding down the back of the field, you know. <laughs> Rossi, Rossi's, Rossi's up and down. Rossi's up and down. Hunter Ray's up and down. Colton Hurd is up and down. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's it's been a fun season to watch so far. Yeah, there's really no true... So there's really no true backmarker team. Any of them in any given race that can show up and, and deliver. Like another team that we haven't mentioned is Ray, the Ray Hall later Milanigan. They were they were horrible at practice. Right down, dude. They were two, they were for the longest of time under 160 miles an hour. They tried to make many adjustments. It worked for Sato on Friday, and it's Ray Hall just got better as the weekend rolled along, and it showed. Because they feel like they could probably compete for the championship. Sure, what happened in Road America with Will Power knocked him down a little bit, but for Ray Hall, it's definitely showing some strides. And it's kind of looking like, to a degree, we'll see how Mid Ohio and the rest of Bacchus coming up goes for him, where he can do what Bourdais couldn't 
and that is not have any mulligans and a, and make most of other people's struggles because Dixon wasn't much of a contender this weekend. People say it's going to be a true Dixon runaway, but Iowa, a track that's not been good for him, didn't, he didn't, did okay. Didn't he finish second he on Friday? Day. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So second isn't bad. <laughs> he finished second on Friday and I think sixth or seventh on Saturday. So, yeah, he wasn't totally out of the mix there. So. Yeah. But yeah, but for, but to your point about Graham Rahal, so we're we're headed off next to Mid Ohio, which is, admittedly, Graham's favorite track. He's won there before. It's in his hometown. Um, the whole Rahal team's excited about uh, you know coming out of of Ohio with uh, with some really really good positive mojo and going to their home track. So that'll be that'll be in a couple of weeks. You know, these guys have a couple of uh, weeks off now, so we can talk about uh, you know Mid Ohio in a few weeks. Um, but uh, Seth, Richard, any more comments on um, on the races in Iowa before we start talking about Lewis Hamilton? Is there much to talk about Lewis Hamilton? Um, he won. Oh, we got he Red won. Bull. <laughs> <laughs> we got Red Bull to talk about. Yeah, and Racing Point. Mm-hmm. You know, so so all right. So Lewis Hamilton won again. This is what number eighty-four, eighty-five. It's hard to count, uh, yeah. Six away from Michael. Yeah, so, so um, yeah, Bonas was third and Verstappen was second. Uh, but this is, a, this is after Racing Point took the second row in qualifying amidst all the protests from Renault that um, racing, racing Point is. And Renault has vowed to protest the Racing Point car every weekend this year. Richard, what are your thoughts on that? They're going to protest every weekend this year. Is it going to make a difference? He's on. His mic is shown on mute. I, my opinion is I think they'll yeah, stop sorry, protesting once they beat him. There we go. Sorry about that. No, I think what you, you, you're going to – well, let's, let's – okay. Racing Point and um, Alpha uh, um, Tura, I think is it. They're in the the box seat for 2021. This is where the problem boils down to, I think, more so than 2020. Under the regulations and the way that these cars are designed to be used for two years, um, every other team is stuck with what they have now, pretty much, because they're running 2020 specification parts. And where they can buy parts from other teams, such as Alfa Romeo and Haas buying from Ferrari, they're using the 2020 spec components. Alfa Tura and uh, Racing Point are using the 2019 spec parts from Red Bull and Mercedes, respectively. So there's the potential that for next year, both those teams are even stronger than they are this year when they upgrade to the 2020 parts. A majority of the parts um, that were investigated by the FAA that Racing Point are using that are similar to Mercedes are part of the carryover which they're allowed to be purchased parts. The brake ducts which are what Renault are protesting are not part of the approved list of parts that can be bought between teams. Um, I think this is more a matter of principle, what Renault are doing, than actual belief that there is something going on there. I've said it before, I, I don't know the details, but I would be extremely surprised if a high level vehicle dynamicist or race engineer or somebody in one of those molds hasn't left Mercedes and gone to Racing Point. 
you can't just look at a car and take photographs of it and copy it in CAD and get the same results. The subtleties and the the setup of a car and how to dial a car into specific tracks is you know these these cars are they have almost have a personality to them. So I think it's um it's very difficult just to basically take a photocopier and, and reproduce parts. You have to understand how they work and how to understand, you know, the setup and the finer points of what you can achieve with, uh, you know, the, the parts. So I think that what Renault are doing is trying to make a point and say that, you know, we need to have a better control of this. And if you're going to allow custom cars, then allow custom cars. Um, well, I mean, so, uh, also, so now ra- racing point for their, for for their defense, they said they've got what, 688 technical drawings of theirs. That, I thought it was 866 or something. Or 866, like that, yeah. yeah, something like that. They, they, they said they yeah. said they have an awful lot of drawings of <laughs> technical drawings to to prove that the um that their their parts are original and not copied from somebody else. But you know, my my only point is, why, why does Renault want to jump through the same hoops week after week after week and protest it every week only to have it upheld? It, it seems like. They're taking their focus off of their own racing program to worry about these other guys. Well, that may be partly it. But as, as, as I say, I think it's more the principle of it. I think they're trying to set a precedent or prevent a precedent from being set. Prevent a um, you know situation coming to to the fore where you know you've got two or three manufacturers. And then everybody else just copies their parts. Um, you know, th- certainly you see the copy of philosophies, but um, I think you know you look at those the brake ducts on the Red Bull and the Mercedes, and for a part that they're not allowed to buy from Mercedes, whew, it looks incredible. Now, I believe in the past you were allowed to buy them, but I, I think they've changed the rules this year. I may be wrong in that, but I think there's been some change of rules that is what's alerted people to this. They look incredibly similar. So, as I say, I think they're more trying to partly say, okay, well, where do we sit here? Where's, you know, where's the line in the sand on this? Can we just go along and and hire engineers from other teams and copy designs? Or is there a certain amount of um, innovation going on within individual teams that we need to work on? Um, so I, you know, it's uh, it's an interesting situation. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah, for sure. Now, now, Louise, you want to talk about Red Bull some from this weekend? Yeah, I I just uh, am enamored and I find it super admirable how Red Bull got the job done with Max because before the start of the race, before they went on the grid, Max Verstappen hit the tire barriers during his, his warm up. The parade, the quote unquote parade lap, no, not parade lap, the warm up lap. And at first, it looked like, yeah, he's got some front wing damage in the left front suspension was the big worry. So they, fortunately, Max brought it back. Then they were repairing it because they had to do it quick, because otherwise, to see trial and error, see if it can go. And if it can go, then the race is on. If it's not, if they couldn't, then they had to whip, drop out, and that could have put Red Bull and Verstappen out of the world title picture for good. So the fact that Red Bull fixed the part, fixed the area that they needed to fix, and Verstappen hanged on for the entire race, finished on the podium, I just found it super emotional. It comes a long way because I can remember back in the day looking at old footage. If something like that happened, the left front wheel would have been gone completely because that's just how damaged physics was back then. 
So I'm just, it's like, I'm amazed how certain parts and durability works these days compared to about 25 years ago with something like that. You haven't been done. Yeah. It's amazing. The, the reliability of the cars and the, and the durability of the cars compared to uh, years ago, you know, I was having a discussion with somebody and it was, it was over, you know, Lewis's amounts of wins, you know what I mean? And, and where he ranks, but uh, you figure if, if Lewis was running in the, in the sixties and seventies, where, where the reliability and durability of the, of the cars was really in question. Now you're talking about an era that if you won, if you won four races and and four DNFs, you were probably the champion. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, but now it's so the, these there's the the finishing rate um, is is so ridiculous right now compared to uh, you know the attrition rate of, of you know and we're talking in Indy cars as well. Um, it is nearly nil from what it used to be. Attrition used to be a big, big part of Formula One. You'd have races yep. where you'd, you know, only have maybe six or eight guys running at the end, sometimes fewer. But now, you know, more often than not, uh, unless somebody, you know, just has a nasty wreck, these cars are very, very few mechanical failures at all. Yeah, even I, I was, I thought about David Hill at Adelaide '84 that a suspension bone, a wishbone, knocked him out completely because it was just bent to the point that it's not drivable that it that the concrete of the wheel is going to scrub up a lot that you it wasn't undrivable the fact that Verstappen could bring it back the crew got it done that quick under these circumstances that we're in right now it's just my it's just rather mind-blowing and that's kind of my biggest takeaway of the Hungarian Grand Prix for sure for sure yeah so now looking at the points right so Lewis is now ahead of uh bonus by I, I want to say six or seven points uh, so those guys are still pretty tight. Their max is right there. But fourth in points is Lando Norris. Um, who'd, have, who'd have thought that, uh, you know, McLaren would be uh, up there fighting for top three in points, you know, a year ago or two years ago. Uh, these guys have improved so much, and Lando is, is such a fantastic talent. Um, so, Richard, and uh, we're going to Mercedes Power for the um, – next year with the uh, McLaren. So that's yep. going to even be even better then. So uh, I, I know, I know you think highly of young Lando Norris, but uh, take a moment and speak on his behalf anyway. Oh, I mean, I don't need to speak on his behalf. I think he's more than careful of, uh, you know, certainly <laughs> to, to prove what he's careful of, but no, I don't think you can take anything away from him. There was certainly, as he was going through the junior categories, obviously had the, in the same way that Lewis Hamilton had, the McLaren backing for a, excuse me, for a number of years. Um, and, and some of people were maybe questioning his ability a little bit and how to close out some of the junior championships. But he's certainly coming to Formula One and, and then taken to, and also his personality and his demeanor and the way he is with the team and the teammates and the fans. I think he's really a breath of fresh air, you know, you've got guys, I think Carlos Sainz is very similar and Daniel Ricciardo is very, very similar in that mould. And I think that that's going to be a great partnership next year. And I think there's three or four guys out there that are really benefiting the, the sport in the long term. But yeah, to your, to, I, to I, your I, point, I think, I think for, for a while, Formula One, the personalities were so stagnant. And, sure. and, yeah. and, and to see these, you know, these, these guys that are, you know, I think I want to say it all started with a Danny Ricardo, who's just so likable, you know, yeah, and, yeah, and, exactly. and these guys. And now we're in the social media age. You know, you got these younger and, guys and they really, really connect with fans. Like, I, I want to say for a while, Formula One had lost that, you know. Sure. Yeah. yeah. The and guys were all Liberty robotic. Media, I think Liberty Media have got to take a lot of credit for that. As Certainly. Well. They really encouraged it. But 
and this is no disrespect to, to McLaren and Lando Norris. I, I think they are a little bit out of position. Um, I think if you and we talked about this in the past, uh, Red Bull need two number one drivers, and I, I, I really it's very interesting the feedback and the public support that um, Red Bull are publicly giving Alex Albon and Christian Horner especially when he didn't do the same for Pierre Gasly last year. Um, very interesting how the dynamics working there. I'm not quite sure what's going on. Um, but you look at, um, you know, you, so, so you'd, you'd think that, you know, you'd expect to see the um, Red Bull guys, or at least Verstappen, finish finish up there ahead of Norris. And um, you'd also expect to see Ferrari could turn around their situation and, and start to push, uh, push him down. But there's no doubt that McLaren have the potential to be best of the rest. Uh, mind you, if Racing Point are allowed to keep driving, you know, using the car in their current format and they, um, you know, execute the results rather than just pure pace, because uh, I think that Racing Point is a faster car than McLaren, potentially they could move ahead. Um, but, but it's a great, you know, it's a great midfield battle. As it has been for the last two or three years, you know, you almost wish you could take the big three out and have well, a great the, battle. Well, in the at least one there. of those big three seem to be taking themselves out. That would be the guys, well, that are, the red cars. They are so yeah. Ferraris. Uh, they, I read a thing today. They're getting to just totally reorganize their structure. They've made some mm. uh, technical changes there, and yeah. that won't make it. You know, th- that won't affect anything overnight because that's more of design, design philosophy change. And again, you know, Ferrari have got to pitch themselves for twenty. 22 as it is now, um, you know, their, their 2020 season is gone. You know, they, they can't achieve anything now. All they can achieve now is readiness for, you know, 2021, which the cars are fundamentally going to be the same with minor tweaks. There's a token system where teams can, I think, highlight two areas of weakness in the car that they can submit. I think this, I think it's this week they have to submit proposals to the FIA and say that we want to change these two parts of like whether it's suspension, whether it's aero, whether it's whatever it may be, and then they get allowance to make those changes. So fundamentally, you're not going to see, you know see a huge change for next year. And obviously, it's 2022 with the ground effect and a lot of these are the features that um, they're going to become. You know, that's what they're looking for, and everybody's going to be looking for that if, if Mercedes keep dominating the way they are. So it's just, you know, as you mentioned there earlier, you know, the reliability of people. It's almost making it harder and harder. Um, for teams to differentiate themselves and because you know you don't get the freak results anymore and I think that's one of the reasons why they've gone you know they went from six top six places um, points to top eight to top ten you know back in the day when you had six you know even when you only had six places paying out you know Minardi would get a point a year or a footwork or a Tyrrell or you know whoever certainly Um, I I was looking at it the other day the last time that a a car uh, won a race that wasn't from one of the big three teams was 2012, I think. When was Kimi, the Williams Kimi, win? Kimi, Kimi won in a Lotus. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Abu Dhabi. Yeah. yeah. Then, then, then before that, it was when uh, when Pascal Verline. That's what he's doing. Or uh, or um, Pastor Maldonado. Maldonado, Pastor Maldonado won in the Williams. Yeah. So it's yeah. Uh, it's but been yeah, it's it's been a minute since anybody else has even had a shot exactly. to win. Yeah. Exactly. So. so. That reliability, in a way, is, is is making it harder for teams to grow in the sport because you don't get the freak result and, you know, oh, we've suddenly got another 
five million dollars worth of prize money that we didn't expect. You know, and, and when yeah, you're trying to yeah. encourage teams like Haas and people like that, you know, to to grow in the sport, when it's hard for them to achieve results, um, because it's so competitive. Right. So no. I want to I want to save some time to talk about NASCAR. So real quick, Sorry, uh, yeah. Formula One. There's there's going to be a few more tweaks to the schedule. I understand. Uh, ha, um, the Nurburgring is coming back. Yep, Nurburgring, Imola, and another one in Portugal that I can't remember the name right now. Right. No, I, see, I haven't seen any of this. I'll have to check this out. Okay. It's been rumored. Okay. It's been I, I think I think the Nurburgring is a go from what I read this morning. Uh, but, I know uh, they've got Monza and Mugello back to back. I think Mugello is right. going to hold its face first. But, but right. next, it's next, but next we're off to Silverstone, right? Yes, yep. two races: the British Grand Prix and then the 70th anniversary Grand Prix back to back weekends. Right. Somebody was already mm. saying that if Lewis wins both of those, it won't count as winning the record amount of British Grand Prix because one won't count as a British Grand Prix. And I said, that's probably right. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's yeah, accurate. Yep, that's accurate. Circuit-wise, it will, but the, the circuit-wise, yes, but, but British <laughs> Grand Prix, yeah. So he'll win it next year just to shut people up. Well, sure, yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it, he'll win it yeah. next year just because he's Lewis Hamilton. But, <laughs> so uh, but anyway, so is, is that is that is, is that this coming weekend? So no, no. Next so we have weekend. we have a week, week off. There's really no yeah. true racing going on a Sunday, to my knowledge. I don't know about IMSA though. No, okay. No okay, so there's no racing on Sunday for the first time since the hiatus. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of weird that all the races are not on Sunday. Yeah, so it's terrible that we're complaining about no racing on a Sunday after we went four months without any racing at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Eighty degrees. So see, now we've been now we've been spoiled. We've been having you know two three races a week and double headers and and midday races. Yeah, so it was like, what do you mean no race this weekend? What are well, we gonna What are we gonna do? Well, well we uh, still have five uh, in NASCAR. Yeah, there's still five Arkham five NASCAR now. races. Yeah, so all right, so Seth. Um, Speaking of NASCAR, let's uh, let's talk about the um, the All Star race real quick uh, because it's pretty well old news right now. But uh, I I watched quite a bit of it. I thought it was uh, yeah. I, I thought the neon lights under the car were a neat little touch that looked really cool on television. I'm sure they looked even better in person. Um, but at the end of the day, the the race was Seth in your in your words. It was a little lackluster. Uh, Chase Elliott won. Uh, he and his father, Bill, hold the distinction of winning all-star races not at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Uh, and it's now they're the second father-son duo to have won all-star races following Dale Earnhardt Sr. and Jr. So uh, where, did, where, did Bill, where did Bill Elliott win his all-star Atlanta. race? Atlanta. I, I was going to say, I thought it, was, thought it was home for him, yeah. Uh, but uh, the lights underneath the car... The way it was described before the event, it was much more like what Chip Ganassi Racing had done at Nashville or uh, Vegas uh, last year uh, for the um, championship celebration, where it was under the entire car, not just the rear of the car. And it uh, Chip Ganassi Racing had them where they were changing colors for each sponsor. Uh, granted, I don't know if NASCAR just didn't want it to be that elaborate, where it was to a certain point a test session in that sense. Uh, but the way NASCAR described it and the way it 
was implemented, at least for me, were two different things. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, it, it, have... at the end of the day, it looked pretty cool. Yeah, I, I thought I thought myself it was going to be the, the entirety of the car, and I was a little surprised when it was just the underneath the, the rear tires and the rear bumper, but it, it still looked pretty neat. I mean, just for, they, some, for something different to catch your eye. They also oh, had the uh, choose cone, or choose line however they want the to word rule it. yeah which, that thing that was supposed to be the craze of all craze which it was well-intentioned and i think it did adjust the race a little bit uh chase elliott uh chose some of the outside line when he was restart on the inside line and was able to not get bogged down by ken harvick or brad keselowski on some restarts but the problem is the broadcast never really showed it they no, they it. just come back to break as soon as that thing has been sighted. So it's hard for me to to say definitively whether or not it made a huge difference uh, for the race or not. That being said, uh, the other big moment of the night for the All-Star race was when uh, Michael McDowell essentially dumped Bubba Wallace. And thanks to uh, some reporters from TSJ 101 that Noah were Lewis. Yeah, Noah Lewis and the uh, well Noah wasn't there. Peter was the one that was actually there. Peter Strada. Oh, Peter Strada. But his colleague Noah Lewis is the one who posted the photos of Bubba leaving the front bumper on McDowell's hauler. And McDowell's team has now turned that around for a charity and I believe it's up for auction through the NASCAR Foundation to benefit motor racing outreach, and the last I saw it was fifteen thousand four hundred dollars. Yeah, I figured it there was. There you go. Yep. And, now, didn't didn't I don't want to dwell on this a lot, but didn't uh, Bubba there get on Twitter and say something a little disparaging, perhaps no, about McDowell and no, the fact it wasn't that, on Twitter. It wasn't on Twitter. He, Said it when he was interviewed immediately after the race. Yeah, he said something about, oh, now I'll get a Christian message on Twitter well, or something like that. Or I, I, no, I don't know uh, the whole particulars of it, but uh, I know there what, were he, some people were a little little upset or taken aback or or. Uh, what he said was that uh, now he's going to get uh, uh, text preaching uh, about how it was an accident, this and that, from somebody who uh, preaches. Uh, Christianity and basically Bubba had a poor choice of words but the way he was trying to or what he was trying to say at least from what I've gathered and from what I've been able to read since then that he said he wasn't trying to disparage McDowell's faith as much as he was trying to say that McDowell was acting a little bit like a hypocrite yeah, but again, like you said, poor choice of words. And right now, with, under with the microscope Bubba's under, he's he's needs yeah. to be real careful with his choice of words. Yeah, because uh, it sounds like straight out of Robbie Gordon's textbook where he said to Michael Walter, as far as like he acts like this one thing, but what he's what happened at the track was a complete opposite. Essentially, yeah, it's yeah. something along those lines. Uh, because Bubba has also written. Uh, he wrote an entry for the Players' Tribune, which, if you haven't read that, definitely go check it out. It, it's eye-opening, to say the least, uh, to read stuff from Bubba's perspective with everything going on as well with the microscope on him, like he said. Uh, 
moving on from Bristol, we did have a race at Texas Motor Speedway. Yes, uh, we did. Yes, we did. Which we, was we, won we, by Austin Dillon. Uh, with second, Tyler Reddick, se- yep, second place. Teammate. With Tyler Reddick, yeah. And basically it came down to tires that, although they were wearing, they were not losing speed. So, and a one-lane racetrack. So, I don't know why everybody else pitted and were so surprised that uh, they couldn't get by Austin Dillon and Tyler Reddick. I mean, all day long they were struggling to pass. I'm, I'm just taking the fact that so many people pitted and were so surprised. Yeah. So let's talk yeah, about. Let, yeah. Let's circle back to a conversation we had off the air um, beforehand because I know you had you had some good stuff to say about this. But uh, so a young guy named Quinn Huff. Quinn Huff. Quinn Huff. Quinn Huff is. Uh, he went into the pits. He, he cut across he, a couple lanes of traffic to get into the pits rather than get down to the to apron, if, as I, if I'm understanding this correctly. Yeah. Yes. And took a couple guys out, uh, which prompted a lot of a lot of backlash from some, some guys like uh, uh, I think Keselowski was the most vocal who said maybe we should have a system in place to demote guys uh, like this. But uh, but this isn't the first time that we've had a, you know, a younger guy kind of run afoul of some of the, the stars of the sport. You know, most recently, um, Garrett Smithley was called out by uh, Kyle Busch, I think not once, but twice at two different two different places. Uh, so, um, so let's talk about these young guys and, um, do they really need to be demoted? Uh, Can I just uh, ask a question about this? I'm right in saying that NASCAR doesn't have like a point system like Formula One does. No, they do. No, not. they don't. Uh, what okay. they have is, what they have is a approval system. I'm using the word approval loosely right now. Uh, depending what you're talking about, whether it's cup expanding your truck, uh, they have to be approved by their peers to be able to run, whether it's a full season or a certain track, or at least in the truck series, uh, my understanding is they have to have run first a short track in order to then run a intermediate track and then a super speedway. And this is, this is exactly why, James Davison at the, at the last minute was not allowed to run the Talladega because he was not approved by his peers. Correct, correct. So then he ended up running Pocono, which uh, apparently he was approved by his peers. Yeah. Okay. All right. It's the lack of practice that also played a big role into that as well. Whereas road course, you can, I guess, you can jump in whatever. I mean, look at the. It's a different uh, ordeal. Uh, you can find at 15 years old the Truck Series on a road course. Oh, uh, 16. Oh, 16. But uh. Uh, I mean, Andy Lally just announced that he's going to run uh, two races for our motorsports in the Xfinity Series, the two road course races, uh, the one at Road America and the other one at Daytona. But that being all of this being said, the approval system used to go not just apply to the truck series, but all three series in the way that you had to run a certain size track and then be able to run the next size track, and then the next, and then the next. And somewhere recently, it shifted from that to simply being approved by your peers, which, if Quinn Hoff is on track, he's been approved by his peers in some way, shape, or form. So how how many peers are involved in this peer review? That's a good question. Is that that all top secret? 
So I, I have a I've, feeling that never, Brad Keselowski didn't told, approve him. Just saying. I've never been told how many. Yeah. Uh, I do want to say, in Quinn's defense, he is a talented driver. In the Xfinity series, I've seen him take underfunded equipment, whether it was at Bristol, whether it was at, uh, I believe it was Atlanta and at Charlotte, and run top 15, top 10. And this was when we had 15 to 20 Cup Series teams in the Xfinity series. Yeah, and this is all in the midst of the big three as well down there as well. So yeah. So I, he, sorry, I'll let you finish. Yeah, no, yeah, uh, I I agree in that point. The Half has showed what he's done. It's just that when you go from Xfinity to the Cup is very different. And I think going back to drivers' approval, I think that matches. That's what Clint Boer was saying a couple a couple days ago that, that he always thought there was some sort of system, but also a comfort level that he wants to be sure that everybody he's around, that his competitors are surrounding him doesn't put him in a bad spot in a comfort level. And I think with both Keslowski and Boyer, what they see is that he notices some of the hazards, but they won't mention him by name or haven't spoken to them. And speaking of how he mentioned uh, Sirius XM, I believe that he, they just don't know his, who he is. It's like saying, yeah. how about you talk to me personally and just give him a backstory. Well, take the time. I mean, let's give you, I mean, I, 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 I don't want to get in, into, you know, picking on this kid. But I just quickly pulled up his Wikipedia stats, and uh, Wikipedia being the oracle of all knowledge. Before his first cup start at Phoenix last year with Spire Motorsport, he had the grand total of 18 what I would call race starts in a NASCAR-affiliated series. So Xfinity, K&M Pro, and ARCA. And the best result in all of those 18 was a sixth place at Charlotte in 2018 in an ARCA race. And, you know, I think that's part of it. You know, you look at some guys, they go through the ladder of trucks. You know, they'll do two seasons in trucks, then they'll do two or three seasons in Xfinity. So they've got the good end of 150 races under their belt before they, excuse me, come into a cup series. So, well, and I'm not criticizing the guy. And I think it a little bit was a little bit unfair, but I think I understand where some of the drives are coming from. You know, they'll, They'll rock up at, you know, the driver's briefing uh, on a weekend and be like, who's that guy over there? You know? Well, <laughs> who's and, the new guy? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to go back to a, a story from 2018 uh, when Alon Day made his uh, NASCAR Oval debut here in the U.S. Mind you, he at that time was a two-time uh, NASCAR Euro Series champion, and he's the one who took a, quote, zombie dodge to a top 15 finish on road course, having run top five all race, even leading some laps before getting dumped on the final lap. So he had shown that he has the capability to run the cars, and there were people complaining and worried about him being in the way or making a mistake because of his, quote, inexperience, despite what he had already shown. Granted, the NASCAR Euro Series is different from the Cup Series, Xfinity, and Trucks. But that being said, to be a champion at any level is still something to take hold of. Certainly, yeah. So uh, so from all this, we can gather that the story of Cole Trickle just coming out of 
sprint cars and getting picked up by uh, Randy Quaid and, and Robert Duvall working on his car, going right in the cup and winning probably wouldn't happen in the real world, huh? No. Okay. no. <laughs> so, um, now, we, no. we did have – now, speaking of trucks and Xfinity, we had trucks and Xfinity uh, at Texas as well. And yes. um, Kyle Busch managed to uh, get that – haven't won anything this year – off his back, it won the Xfinity race and subsequently got disqualified. Correct. Which handed um, Austin Cindric his third win in a row. So, uh, uh, yeah, good for Austin Cindric. But he'll uh, be in the Indy 500 before he knows it. Yes, yes, that's that's what he's talking <laughs> about. Sorry. Four in a row coming up. Four in a row coming up. Yeah. So, so anyway, so let's um. Let's talk real quick about um, you know, Austin Cindric and the Indy 500 and uh, what's coming. Yeah, I had a thought to go someplace real with this, and I just lost it. Um, Sorry. Yeah, well. I know. Oh, yeah. No, I got it. I, I remember. Okay, so let's talk about the rest of the NASCAR season, because the big announcement from NASCAR was that the practice of zero practice and zero qualifying would remain in place through the end of the season. Now there are some guys that are a little concerned because they're going to run a race at the at the uh, at Daytona on the on the road course on the Rolex 24 course, and while some of those guys have driven sports cars there, not one of them has driven a stock car around that course for the first time. They they take that uh, you know that that turn off the oval onto the road course will be after the green flag. Um, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Is that is, is, well, is that a is that a bold no, mover? Not only that, but NASCAR has also uh, basically issued an edict saying that drivers can't run multiple series that weekend. Uh, <laughs> Which is so, why Moffat is running the truck series instead of both the OG yes. and the GMS truck. Yes. So we, sh- uh, so we should expect to see every NASCAR guy prior to that race on iRacing trying to figure out uh, all the turns on the Daytona road course, huh? Yes, although there yeah. is... They might add a chicane off turn four nice. uh, for the NAS for the uh, Goodyear rain tires to be uh, feasible with the Cup cars if oh, needed. Oh, I can't Great. wait to see somebody pull a Bertrand gas shell in those tire bears. Oh, uh, that that being said, well, I, that's not confirmed yet. That being said, though, uh, NASCAR is also. Uh, stated that there will not be any qualifying or practice for the rest of the year, let alone just at Daytona. Right, that's uh, what I mean. Yeah, they said no, no practice, which, no qualifying till next year. For for the Daytona road course, I'm not overtly concerned, and the reason why I'm saying that is uh, there's the simulators, there's eye racing. The drivers will know the course. Whether or not they know the true breaking points might be. A different thing altogether. Well, they looked out pretty quick, wasn't they? Yes, but what I'm more <laughs> concerned about for Xfinity and trucks is with no qualifying, if there's more than 40 entries, there are going to be teams that are not going to get a chance to even participate. We've already had this happen tr- uh, twice with trucks where there were 47 entries and seven went home both times. So let's say Surely they didn't turn up. Well, they didn't, but you understand where yeah, I'm going with this. If a new team, uh, yeah, they should have a last row draw. Let everybody draw a name. At least let two of those yeah. guys in. Since because, they're just since they're just uh, drawing names. Uh, at Charlotte, for example, uh, 
one of the trucks that didn't get to compete was Parker Klingerman, and there were two trucks that started and parked. That's wrong. Yeah, that's yeah, wrong. Klingerman, yeah. Eric Jones, and David uh, Reagan were supposed to run one of those two. Uh, races that was Atlanta. Plus. Yeah. That one, so, if you do that, you take you take the money away from them. If they're blatantly starting and parking without a technical reason, you take the money away from them. It's pure and simple. NASCAR needs to stop that. And that's one of my concerns because whether it's a new team or even an existing team that might be running an extra truck or an extra car for, whether it's a road course ringer at uh, the Daytona road course or maybe somebody who has money at, say, uh, the Daytona Oval uh, that to put a, another competitive car on track instead of one of the various extra starting parks that some teams will field to make a little extra money. Uh, I'd rather see at least qualifying for events if they already know there's going to be more than 40 entries. Certainly. This is what I... I mean, I understand the desire to, you know, limit the amount of exposure that um, the, the teams have. Now, my understanding of the reason to do this race only, no practice, no qualifying, is so that the teams can fly in and fly out on the same day and they don't have to have hotels and, and the like. Now, but surely you could give them half an hour, happy hour for half an hour, half, well, happy half or- hour. Or say like yeah. a half hour open qualifying essentially. David, yeah, I mean, don't even you know, I, I mean, I wouldn't do qualifying because then you'd have to make setup changes and then it'd be like, well, oh, we need well, two or three hours well, between. Well, that's why I'm you saying, know, just say yeah. right, you know, well, that's the race why I'm saying instead of a half hour practice, do do a half hour open qualifying session as many laps as you want to run. That way, yeah, is fast get actually makes the race, and in theory, yeah. they could be the ones who are going to run the full distance. Yeah. And I think it would just, you know, just to give them a little bit, because, <coughs> excuse me, the vast majority of the guys in the Cup Series, you give them five laps on a road course, the ones that are, are competent, will get the breaking points pretty close, and they'll know what it's like driving around. Again, I don't think it's the breaking points that's going to be the issue. I think it's going to be driving around other people and working out where you can put a car and where you can't put a car and where the grip is and where the grip isn't. Um, so you just give, you know, if you say the race is at two o'clock, then give them from one o'clock to one thirty, you know, and then while everybody's on pit road, say, right, okay, stick some ice in there, cool the cars off and off you go again. Race time, you know. And uh, another point I do want to make, yes, there are some that have run sports cars around there. Actually, Frank, there are two that have run a version of a stock car around there. Harvick and Truex both ran the IROC car. Granted, it's about been about fifteen. Now, I was gonna years say a bit a minute, yeah, yeah. So, but but uh, speaking of IROC, I do want to mention real quick uh, that Tony Stewart and Ray Evernham have teamed up to bring or create the uh, Superstar Racing Experience, which is essentially an enhanced IROC series, from what I've read, which will debut next year, and they've announced that. They've signed five drivers, and the first confirmed driver is Tony Kanaan. Right. Tony Kanaan confirmed it on his Twitter this morning. So we don't know what kind of car they're running. They're still going to build a car for that. But uh, uh, we can talk about that more next week because, guys, we are out of time. So where where where's NASCAR off to next, Seth? 
Kansas, right? Uh, Kansas. Kansas, and that'll be tomorrow night. Well, that'll be yeah. well when Thursday, well, night, yeah. Uh, Thursday night. Yeah, would it be uh, after after you? <laughs> it'll be uh, going on when the show hits uh, goes live. So anyway, we are out of time. I want to thank you, Louise and Richard and Seth. And I want to thank the Hoobazoo Radio Network, and I want to thank iHeartRadio and Spreaker and Google Podcasts. I want to thank all you folks who listen to us every week. Until then, good night. Enter your website. Enter your website. Enter your website. Enter your website.